All right, please open in your Bibles to the prophet Isaiah that's found in your Old Testament. Uh, the prophet Isaiah, in just a moment, I'm going to begin reading from Isaiah chapter 9. We're beginning our Advent sermon series, message series. If you're a guest and you're streaming with us and you don't have a copy of the scriptures, and let me encourage you to download the Bible Gateway app. Um, and you can look up the scripture with us. It'll be projected behind me. That app is free. Um, and uh, in the search engine, put Isaiah and then the number nine. I'm going to be reading the first seven verses of Isaiah chapter nine. Uh, before we read God's word, let me ask you to consider this illustration that I think sets us up for what we're about to read um, in God's word uh, from Isaiah chapter 9. We lost our power Monday night due to that uh, very windy storm that blew through uh, Atterboro. I imagine it hit your neighborhood too. You may not have lost power, but around 4 o'clock on Monday afternoon, our our house went dark, and since the sun is setting earlier, when the lights go out like that, it's dark. And so then you're forced to rely on your phones and flashlights from your phones to, to illuminate what you were doing. But for a few moments there, we were in the dark. And when you're in the dark and you don't remember that you have a flashlight on your phone, and you have to move from where you were to where you need to be, like, the bathroom or to to another room, you stumble, don't you, in the dark without the light. Um, it's confusing in the dark when there is no light. It can even feel very lonely or gloomy or boring when you're paralyzed by the dark and you don't... When darkness fills your and my world, it impacts how we think and feel about everything, doesn't it? So when at 11 o'clock, although we were all in bed at that point, we heard this surge in our house and the lights popped on and the TV's blaring downstairs and we're hearing Christmas songs in the kitchen and all manner of electrical appliances, we were very excited, even though we had to get up and turn everything off and go back to bed. This is a very old passage of scripture that describes not just a loss of power during a powerful storm like Monday, but describes spiritually the people of God a long time ago. They were living life in the dark, and God decided to do something about it. And that's what we want to read and find out if he's still doing that today. Isaiah chapter 9. And I left my glasses over here. There we go. This is God's word. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun. And the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea. The land beyond the Jordan. Galilee. 
of the nations. Verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness from this time forth, And forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And everybody said, let's pray. Lord, as we have just read in your word from Isaiah, we read again of how you are faithful. You are faithful to your word. You are faithful to your word through Christ. Lord, you are faithful to your word through Christ for our sakes. Thank you for your great love and mercy and grace shown us in Christ. We pray that, Lord, today... And in this season of Advent, you would help us to reflect more intentionally and draw more deeply on the hope found here. Help us, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, it is Advent, and that means, unlike, say, our Acts series, I get to try things that I don't normally get to do. Um in part because I want to talk with the children as much as with the adults, but in part because I think when something's familiar to us, that all but guarantees we've forgotten it and and we're not living out of it, at least for me. And so through fresh reminders and illustrations, I hope to stir up your faithful application of what you already may know to be true. Or if Christmas is new to you, you're hearing this word Advent, you don't realize that's a Latin word that means arriving or, or coming. Maybe you're familiar with Latin, but you didn't know what that meant. Well, the good news is, is that churches like ours celebrate the coming of Christ through Advent because of what not only he's done, but how it changes everything for our lives today. So I have two candles here, which you may not be able to see. It's the second week of Advent. And so I'm going to light them, lift them up briefly so you can see them if you're streaming. Then put them down. I'm sure it's a fire uh, hazard if I don't. And um, and tell you why I'm lighting these candles. It is true that on each week in Advent, many churches, like ours, light a candle. They light four consecutive candles for the four weeks of Advent. And each candle symbolizes something. So 
Week two, the candle is called the prophecy candle. It symbolizes the hopes that the prophets had that one day God would keep his promise and send to the people of God and to the world a rescuer. So we light a candle. Can you see my candles? I have no idea, Dave, what our camera angle is, but there they are. Aren't they beautiful? We'll leave those lit, and I'll keep them back here. Like when my power went out on Monday, and it was very dark, very dark. And Linda said to me, honey, we need to cook dinner, right? And would you be willing to go outside in the hurricane and cook dinner on the grill? I said with with gusto and with bravado, I would be glad to stand in the middle of a hurricane and cook some, what was it, samosas? What was that? What was the Indian food we were heating up? And mashed potatoes, and I think there were some fish and maybe some hot dogs. Stuff that you would never cook in the middle of a hurricane in your backyard. But there I was, grilling. Should have gotten it on. Bennett was there to rescue me if I got blown away. It's only 65 mile an hour winds while I'm grilling. Only, you know. When I left the home, it was completely dark except for the little remote flashlights um, that were being used by people doing their homework or updating their, their, their social feeds or whatever we do when you lose power. But when I came back in, the hot dogs were grilled. The fish was cooked, I thought. The, the Indian food, which we got from BJ's, was sort of heated, and the mashed potatoes were probably still cold that were in the foil. When I came in, the upper level was completely lit up. It was illuminated. It, was, it had kind of a warm yellow glow to it. And it just made me feel better about the evening, knowing we weren't going to have power for many hours. We can get our power back till about 11. Because Mrs. Evans, while I was outside grilling in the middle of the hurricane, she put out a number of candles in the living room, in the kitchen, in the bathroom, in some of the rooms. And now the house glowed. It was lit. It wasn't brightly lit, but it was lit. And it made me feel better. But you know what I noticed about candles? It's kind of like promises, like Isaiah 9. The flame that burns is a fragile flame. And when it comes to putting your faith in those promises, it can easily be blown out. Just like that. When we read Isaiah 9 and hear Mike read from the Gospels that Jesus has come, He's not only making a declaration of what is true. It is true. It happened. Jesus was born thousands of years ago in fulfillment of the promise. But the question is, does the flame of my heart, in light of the circumstances I face, is it still burning brightly in the hope that Jesus is coming makes a difference in my life. That's what this passage wants to encourage us with. It wants to encourage us with hope. I'm going to light my candles again because I believe through the work of the Spirit, 
we can never fully extinguish the hope that Christ has started in our lives, although I might not be able to light this again. But we can sure act like it. We can sure start to believe either lies or believe our circumstances that what we put our hope in isn't enough or won't ultimately deliver. Look at chapter 9. Am I burning something down? Thank you. Excellent. Isaiah 9. It says in verse 1, There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea. And then in verse 2, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. My first point is we live in a world darkened by hopelessness, don't we? We live in a world darkened right now by hopelessness. And when people are hopeless, life feels gloomy, doesn't it? Holidays feel gloomy. Doing the things we used to do and now not being able to do all the things we used to want to do, the loss of that feels gloomy. When I feel gloomy, I don't feel like what verse 3 describes. Joy multiplied in the nation. That's a lot of joy. Or spoils in a battle. Divided among the victors. When I feel gloomy, I don't feel like the spoils of a battle are to be shared or divided. Or verse 4, freedom. Freedom. Can you imagine? From the oppressive weight of whatever kept me down. When you feel gloomy, you don't feel freedom. You feel trapped. And that describes hopelessness. Not only for the original recipients, but for people like you and I everywhere. When we don't put our hope in Jesus. Hope's a funny thing. And I'm not an expert, of course, uh, but I have hopes like you. I'm going to use another illustration that's going to have water so I can put this in front of the burning candles. And let's imagine, I have some people who love when I do these kind of things. Let's imagine that the contents of this water bottle are my hopes. Not the plastic part, but the water. They're my hopes. They're my aspirations. They're my dreams. They're the things I live for. We live for what we hope for. You do, and I do too. So the question is, where am I going to put my hope? Hmm. Well, if you're me, you put your hope in how you feel about what you hope for. You put your hope in your emotions, your mood. If you're less emotional, and I am, I tend to be emotional. You're more practical. 
Maybe you put your hope, the cup represents your circumstances, your job, your checking account, your health. We just came out of an election. I saw a lot of hope going into elections, whichever side you took, or whether you didn't vote at all. Newly married couples... I am going to love you till death do us part or until we have a conflict where I really get mad at you. You are the apple of my eye or whatever I said to Linda on that precious day until other things become more important and I begin to neglect her. See, you and I, we live out of hopes every day. What I'm suggesting to you is we have to put our hope in something. Whether you're a Christian or not, you have put your hope for this day in someone or something. And the question is, is where we have placed it firm enough, solid enough, strong enough to protect it. Hope is a fragile thing like the flame on a candle. And it's not just when the circumstances start to get bumpy that our hopes start to spill out and it feels frightening. But actually, we start to even question whether the person or the thing I put my hope in is enough to carry the day. That's what the original recipients of this passage did. They didn't put their hope in their emotions. They put their hope in other kingdoms that could protect them from this big bully called Assyria that was coming from the north. And the prophet said to them, don't do it. Yahweh, the Lord, will protect us. Put your trust in him. Put your hope in him. Do not make alliances with Egypt or Moab or anybody else. Serve the Lord and he will deliver you. But they didn't do it. They wouldn't listen. They'd already given too much of their hope to other things, and they were God's chosen people. I find a lot in common with them, because as a Christian, I often, with one breath, will sing that beautiful first song Mike led us to sing, Oh, Holy Night, the Gospel Story, and before lunch is over, I'm already putting my hope in someone or something else. And there's anguish, and there's gloom, or... If it goes well, there's joy. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not a legalist when it comes to hope. God has blessed us. He's a generous God. He has blessed us with many good blessings. Every gift from above is from God. Everyone, a child, a relationship, the ability to feel certain things, a circumstance, but they make poor substitutes For God himself. Which brings me to my second point. Jesus came as the word of God to give us light. To give us light into the hopes that we have. So that we would experience the truth of God's love and grace and goodness and mercy 
as we hope in Jesus. Verse 6 of Isaiah 9. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government. And of peace there will be no end. John writes in his first gospel, well, his only gospel, excuse me. John writes in his only gospel, in the opening chapter, these words, which speak for the Christian of how Jesus' birth and life and death and resurrection fulfilled those Isaiah's words. In him, speaking of Christ, was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. We have seen it. The only son from the father, full of grace and truth, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who was at the father's side, he has made him known. Jesus has made him known. In other words, God the Father sent another cup for your hopes. His name is Christ. And he invites you as he invited me. And he invites me again to take the good things And to pour them into the one thing that will protect your hopes and give you light. He may not give me or you everything we feel we need or want. There are many things I I want this time of year at Christmas. My kids keep asking me, what do you want for Christmas? Everything I put on their list is too big. It's too high. Well, you know what I really want? I could really go for a vacation right now in a warm place at a beach, like for the next six months. That would be fun. I can't afford that. How about a hoodie? How about a hoodie? See, when I put my hopes in Jesus, I'm not only putting them in a person who promises to protect them, but he also promises, because he's a king, to deliver me from investing in them what should belong to God alone. I thank God for the gift of of relationships, both in my family, they are treasure to me, In my church, they have kept me on the narrow way with Christ and in the broader Christian community. But if I put my hope in my family or if they put their hope in me or if I put my hope in fellow Christians or if they put their hope in me, if I put my hope in the body of Christ and they put their hope in me, in light of the fact that you and I are still sinners and selfish and I can't go through a day without saying the wrong thing to the wrong person, or doing the right thing for the wrong motives, often in order because I'm selfish and lazy and a sinner. If I put my hope in sinful people that mean well, my hopes 
are going to be dashed, diminished, cynical, hurt. But when I put my hope in Christ, then those lesser blessings take their rightful place. And then out of the grace and mercy and love he gives me, I can love them even when they aren't loving me the way I want. I can love Christ even when that long deferred hope, that relationship I prayed for, that job opportunity I feel I've earned, that promotion, if they would just acknowledge me, that restoration of my career that was taken away from me, that, re- that, rest- that relationship with a child that seems strained or difficult. Or- I can love Christ and glorify him even in the absence of those things because he is my ultimate hope. And it is in his light, it is in his presence that he gives me the hope and grace to not put in those lesser things what should belong to him. When we put our hope in Jesus, who God sent as the word of God, To give us light, we will experience the truth of God's love and grace as we hope in Jesus. And I conclude with this. We will experience the truth of God's love and grace and mercy and goodness when we put our hope in Jesus. How many remember the um, cell phone commercial? It was such a good ad. Um, And I forget the actor's name, but... I think he was promoting Verizon, uh, and he would walk around like the United States and say, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Unlike some of us with Verizon now, we can't hear people often through our 5G network, whatever it is I have. But he's seemingly on the commercial, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I think sometimes... In order for you and I to experience the truth of God's love given to us in Jesus and the grace given to us in Jesus and the mercy he is for us. I love that song, his mercy is more. It overcomes the darkness. Is we have to hear the voice of God. We need to hear him speak to us. We need to know that not only he's listening, but he's actually speaking to us. It says in John 14 that that my sheep will know my voice. That I call them out by name and they will know my voice. So whether they're a Christian yet to be, or you're a Christian on the way, or or you've been a Christian like me seemingly since the printing press was invented, you know his voice. How do we hear it? Do you know where I hear his voice? Often. It's not subjectively when I'm alone. I hear his voice when Mike calls me to worship and he reads scripture. And I hear in those words being read another voice deeper than his that knows me well. I hear his voice when I observe servanthood displayed by people in this church for you and for others. And when I look at that, I remember all the verses 
that say that Jesus came to serve and not to be served, ultimately giving his life as a sacrifice on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And when I see their servanthood, I see his voice as those scriptures. I heard his voice, I think, for the first time when I wasn't even a Christian, although I was John the Baptist and God spell for our Presbyterian church. I wasn't Christian. I heard his voice when my friend in study hall shared the gospel with me. And told me I needed a savior. I heard his voice. And I began to respond to it. I heard his voice as a new believer. In discipleship groups. As we began to read and talk about. And and struggle with how do we make sense of this faith. In this crazy world and be faith. I heard his voice again. I heard his voice countless times. Through others. That's my point. But it was Jesus nonetheless speaking to me. And when I heard his voice, do you know what I experienced? The truth of God's love. The truth of grace that is found in Jesus. The truth that I can put my hope in him. Christian, can you hear Jesus now? He's been speaking to you. Even in the midst of this pandemic. Do you hear him? He speaks not only through the word, he speaks through those in your life that are speaking words of truth about Jesus. Parents, as we're preparing our children during Advent to celebrate Christmas, and you boldly take time and read the scripture, or read the Advent devotional, or lead them through Aaron's activity, they're not just hearing your voice. They're hearing the voice of Jesus speak through you because his sheep hear his voice. Adults, when we pick up the phone and text that person, it isn't always pleasant to talk to or may even be critical of us. But nonetheless, we know they're a believer in the church or not, and we want them to know that we love them. They not only hear your voice, they, hear, they may hear the voice of Jesus calling them too. When we love our neighbors and overcome all the excuses and fears and justifications of being neighborless. And we do it expecting nothing in return except to display this is what Jesus is like. They may hear his voice and oh, that God would open a door to share the gospel so that they would have ears to hear The good news of Christ. Jesus is the word through whom God gives us hope. And God is faithful to his word. He's faithful to his word through Christ. He's faithful to his word through Christ to me. So I have four applications and we end with this. First, reflect on the fact that you and I, we need hope this Advent season. We all need hope. Second, engage in some healthy self-examination. You and I live for what we hope for. Pray with the psalmist that God would show you your hope. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Engage in some healthy self-examination. In order to ask God to show you, what do I hope for? Third, 
build God-centered anticipation and expectancy and excitement into your Christmas, especially parents for your children. Jesus loves you. He loves your kids and has more of himself to reveal to you. I can't think of a better way to cut in on the consumerism of the Christmas holiday than to be the voice of Christ as you build their anticipation and expectation that God has more of himself to reveal to you. And fourth, be much in the scriptures and stamp the great passages of this season onto your hearts and mind so that with the psalmist we can say, thy word is a lamp to my feet. And the prophet himself, is not your word like a fire, declares the Lord. Jesus is the word through whom God gives us hope. May we experience the truth of God's love and grace as we hope in Jesus. Now maybe you're here as I conclude and the band gets ready to return. And you're not a Christian, but you want to become a Christian. May I invite you to pray with me now as we turn and put our hopes in Jesus by first confessing to him all the people and things we put our hope in instead and receiving his forgiveness because of what he did on the cross. Invite the Holy Spirit to enliven new hope in us again. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come to you as a sinner Someone that too often puts my hopes in good things and sometimes wrong things, but in both cases making them ultimate things and robbing you of your glory as my creator and your gracious position as my savior and my king. Lord, I confess to you, no one forced me to do it. I didn't do it because of my circumstances alone. I did it because I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Would you forgive me? Cleanse me, even now of not only the false hopes and misguided aspirations, but cleanse me of the guilt. And more importantly, deliver me from the condemnation of hell itself. I invite you into my heart this Advent season as both my Savior and my Lord. Lord, I entrust to you, I commit to you, I give back to you, albeit weakly, like the the fragile, weak flame of a candle just burning for the first time. I entrust to you all these lesser hopes, King Jesus. I give them to you. I surrender them to you. I entrust them to you. And I say over them all, Lord, you will be and are my greatest hope. Take care of these lesser hopes for your glory and my good. And for the Christian, Lord, I pray this Advent, the Advent celebration would be more than a religious tradition or even a festive celebration, 
No, Lord. We desire to encounter you anew. In the words of Scripture, old and new, the promises that are kept and are yes and amen in Christ and live out of that precious communion every day out of the grace and love and mercy you so eagerly give us through a relationship with Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, for playing games with Christianity and using you to get what we want. Deliver us now to that place of of complete dependence and allegiance where we do what you've called us to do and find deeper joy, greater glory in knowing you that way. Help me, Lord, this Christmas, this Advent, to worship you that way for your glory and the good of those I am privileged to serve and love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Let's stand.